Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. You know what I want to do today? I want to start with some great news, some encouragement for you on the front of voter integrity. But before we do that, and I have quite a few different little tidbits and one main story here I want to get to. But before we do that, I want to tell you about today's show and what you're in for. And most of the time, this is the time of the show where I'm supposed to say, man, what a great show we've got. We've got so-and-so coming up. We've got this guy and that guy. They're going to talk about oil. They're going to talk about the EPA. They're going to talk about whatever. That That's not true, okay? I'm going to level with you. This hour is really not going to be very good. The rest of this hour is going to be pretty much some nonsense. We do have the full cast coming in, being Old Roy and Trisha. Don't know where that'll go. Have a feeling it's just going to be a bunch of blather. Uh, I would skip that if if I were up to you. And also, even after that, I'm going to do some goofy stuff with predictions. So you remember the movie Plan 9 from Outer Space? I've, I've got some clips that a song actually used uh, taking predictions from that movie about what the future would be like. And we're going to see how accurate that was. And it's stupid. It, it Just skip all of it, okay? Go to the second hour, especially if you're listen to it after the fact, go to the podcast and get just the second hour. Just just throw this hour in the trash other than this segment, because I tell you what, this is a really good one. So here's the deal. Those of us who concern ourselves with election integrity, which I would say is actually based on polling, like 75% of the country. So it's not like this is some fringe issue. If you look at polling on, say, voter ID, which is an election integrity issue. 75% of the country, regardless of party, says we should do that. You know why? Because 75% of the country is genuinely concerned that somebody else might vote in a way that would not be their vote. That's a, that's a base value of democracy. We should be concerned about those things. But for some reason, the leadership of one party really fights back against this stuff. That's happening right now, and I, I said this was good news. So let me get to let me get to the, the landscape, and then I will get to the good news. Right now in North Carolina, there's been some Supreme Court cases about this. They haven't directly addressed the case itself; they've just addressed how the case would play out involving the North Carolina legislature. The legislature passed a, passed a law that said 
that voter ID should be the law of the land when voting in North Carolina. Now, that is explicitly the right of their legislature to do that. But the courts have kind of stalled it, and not necessarily because they've been activists necessarily, but the attorney general of North Carolina is a Democrat. And he has said, no, you know what? Voter ID laws are racist and um, they're meant to suppress the vote. Now, taken at face value, wouldn't saying that a certain minority, and my assumption is that he's talking about black voters, because that's usually what they say, wouldn't it taken at face value say that if, if a certain minority of people or a certain group of people are not able to get an ID, and by the way, I don't know the specifics of this one, but almost all voter ID laws that go into effect also offer an option to get a free ID. So it's not like you got to go get a driver's license. As if that's a burden, I would think most people who are competent people would have a driver's license. But hey, you don't have to. You don't have to do that. Let's say that you have some sort of reason that you can't get a driver's license. I, sh- I should even have said the competent people thing because there there are probably very legitimately people who can't get a driver's license or don't need one for a reason that they, they can't use that then for voting. Well, you can still get an ID you can get a state-issued state ID for free. It's, and they make it real easy to do. Why would you not want that in your state? Well, it seems like the answer is pretty obvious, that you want to keep things unsecure, insecure, for a reason. Here's another one out of Arizona. Oh, gosh, this isn't good news either. Hang on. I, like I said, I'm just setting the landscape here. In Arizona, the Department of Justice, the federal Department of, D- Department of Justice, led by Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, of course, who chose him, are suing to prevent a voter fraud, ID, or not ID case, voter fraud case from going forward that says that only citizens can vote. That if you're not a citizen of the state or of the country, you can't vote in our elections in Arizona. The Department of Justice says that is a great injustice, that that law is uh, somehow wrong <laughs> in telling people that you got to be a citizen to vote in the election. Ah, gosh, it's, it's right. And again, your question, well, why? Why would the Department of Justice want that to not be there? Why would they not want that safeguard? Seems as if they would want the votes to not be secure in that situation, but insecure. Now, like I said, the good news. And this plays into a, a larger good news. So it's not just this story, but I'll read it to you. Wisconsin Supreme Court disallows absentee ballot drop boxes. Wisconsin's conservative control, now I'm reading this from not necessarily a a, uh, right-leaning or even centrist news site. Supreme Court ruled Friday that absentee ballot drop boxes may be placed only in election offices. That is tremendous. Absolutely tremendous because if you've watched 2,000 Mules or if you've seen any of the information about drop boxes in Wisconsin, guess how many of those were on video? Basically none because the state somehow lost all the footage because they're supposed to record all the drop boxes. I don't know if that played into this case. Kind of think it might have. In, <laughs> might have. You know, I mean, if you lost all the footage of all the drop boxes in the whole state conveniently in an election where that stuff was highly sought after and highly contentious because there was a lot of cheating, you'd think, yeah, darn it, doggone it. They lost all the footage. That's important. 
It also says that only the voter can return his or her own ballot by mail. Election officials and others have argued that the drop boxes are a secure and convenient way for voters to return ballots. But the decision sets an absentee ballot rules for this August 9th primary, so it goes into effect right now and the fall election. Republican U.S. Senator Ron Johnson and Democrat Governor Tony Evers are seeking re-election in key races. That is very important to this election, not just presidential elections. we got to look at other ones, too. Senate, very, very important election coming up in November because we're talking about, A, six-year terms, and we're talking about a swing state. <clears throat> so there, that should get rid of at least a portion of the cheating. And that's kind of where I'm, I'm headed here, and that's where I'm going to end this segment, is saying that those of us who keep seeing magical anomalies popping up, and then even you know with the movies like 2000 Mules, or even if you didn't watch the movie, you can look at True the Votes information about ballot drop boxes and all the information that they found not just with phone data, but actual video evidence of people dropping off way too many ballots and then going to Democrat headquarters spots to get more ballots and then driving around town and doing it over and over. These are big, big issues. That's cheating. And they affected the election. Now, there's a, I won't get into I'm not, the point of this wasn't to get too much into the detail. The point was to share those couple stories with you and say that here's the deal. Going into this election, and especially into 2024, the focus and the spotlight on these things is so hot that it is going to be harder for people to cheat now than it was two years ago. How do I know that? Well, A, a lot of states have passed very good laws. I just read one of them to you. That's not necessarily a state doing that, but that's the court doing that. There are a lot of states that have had major guardrails put on their elections. There's a lot of scrutiny of the election machines, of the paper, of adjudication rates. There's a lot of scrutiny across the board, especially in swing states, especially in certain swing states. So going into these next elections, while I'm not 100% confident that there is going to be no cheating, because there always will be some, I am way more confident that there will be way less. And the whole point is, Narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down to where we have none. Will we ever get there? No. But let's say we're at a, who knows, whatever rate, 10% rate in 2020. That's, pro- that's probably too high. I'm just, I'm just coming up with a random number. If you can narrow that down to maybe 5% to then 3% to then 1%, hopefully then below 1% of all ballots would be in question. You're talking about the hundredths of a percent. That's where we need to go. And Democrats and Republicans alike need to agree on this issue. And apparently on a lot of them, like voter ID, we do. And that's great news. And we need to just keep pressing forward. The national media is never going to pay attention to it, but we're going to keep pressing forward. And guess what? We're winning on this issue because people like you and people like me won't stop focusing on it and won't stop talking about it. And we won't ever until it's zero. Wiggins America, more coming up. Like I said, it's not the best material. I'm inviting you to stay, but don't get mad at me. I warned you that it may not be the best. That was a good segment, right? Well, the ones coming up, you'll just have to see. I'm Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. 
Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just like you. Unbelievable. The full cast is in do. studio. Old Roy, Trisha, and Till myself. It's the first time in like a month. Yeah. The, the band clouds. is back together. Yeah. yeah. And it feels so good. I should have said the line before that because that sounded a little weird. Reunited. And it feels so good. Not just it feels so good. Uh, I said some weird stuff last week, man. I'm going to have to go back <laughs> Just over last that. week? Just last week, yeah. <laughs> Mo- most week. of the time, it's fine. I know. <laughs> you said something weird to me yesterday. You, okay, the, Roy, Roy, the question, when did you stop beating your wife? Yeah. There, there is no answer to that question. You were set up for failure. Right. Trisha comes into my office yesterday and goes, how sad are you about R. Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sad about the R. Kelly thing? Like, <laughs> like wait a minute. There is no answer. <clears throat> I'm not sad at all about R. Kelly. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. You haven't you've missed everything. I've been unplugged. R. Kelly sentenced to 30 years in federal sex crimes case. So I, I'm assuming this is when he was with underage girls and stuff. He also had a habit of, there was like a whole documentary where he had a habit of basically grooming and kidnapping and keeping women locked in his apartment for years at a time. Like multiple women have come out and said, um, I was cut off from my family. My parents get, couldn't get me out of there. He wouldn't let me leave. I think it was pretty serious. Whoa. Yeah. That's, I, I, I okay, my exposure to that was probably like, 
15 years ago, South Park did an episode about R. Kelly. When he peed on somebody, there was a whole pee yeah. scandal. So he was locked. He was like keeping people in his I apartment. I think he had multiple young women that he wouldn't let leave the apartment. Oh, they were underage. I don't know the age. I don't know that. I'm not going to say that they were for sure underage. See, because it seems to me. I think there me... was a grooming thing. There were some grooming accusations. Mm. And then they did a whole documentary on it. Did about... you watch it? At the time, I think I might have. This has been years ago. Okay. This is not new information. No, I mean, this He's is He's been like a slime ball for a long time. Anytime R. Kelly's it's in the It's weird news. how upset you are about his sentencing, it's actually. Never, it's, never, it's never because R. Kelly's I Think I Can Fly, fly is in the news. I Believe I Can Fly? I, yeah, that one. That's actually a great song. <laughs> I Think I Can Fly. It's terrible. I thought this was handled a long time ago. I actually did, too. It should have been. I, yeah. yeah, I'm surprised that this is still going on. I thought this he'd been in jail for a while. I have no idea. Uh, but apparently I'm sad about it on some level. And if I had to put it at a level, I'd put it at a one because I'm not sad about it at all. Uh, other stories of the week. That would though, be a zero then. God dang it. <laughs> dang it. <laughs> See, Roy, she's so good at this. You should have been a lawyer. I should have been a lawyer. <laughs> um, I, this one, here's a weird turn. Uh, what do you think about R. Kelly to what's up with NATO? Uh, <laughs> NATO. I know, NATO, what about right? NATO? What about that? NATO. NATO formally invites Sweden and Finland to join thoughts. Start with you, Olroy. Oh, boy. I think I know your thoughts. That's why I ask. I, I'm not a fan of NATO. Um, I don't have strong feelings one way or the other about Finland. Yeah. Um, what about Ukraine? Should Ukraine join NATO? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> is that still going on? The this whole is Ukraine like the R. Thing? Kelly question for me. When yeah. I bring up NATO for you, it's oh. like, who? Oh, Roy, are you sad about NATO? <laughs> yeah. Shark NATO. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Man, if we did promos for this show, that'd be one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sad about NATO? Only shark NATO. <laughs> solid. Had to say it again. It's so solid. <laughs> uh, no, I bring up the question because <laughs> it just seems like, and I, I don't know whether these countries joining NATO is really the point or not, but uh, it does seem as if we are creating two different worlds. We're creating a Western world and we're creating an Eastern world. And we are separating them out as much as we possibly can. And I'm not saying that it's it's anybody's... I'm, some of that is Biden's fault because so many things leading up, to, and Europe's, Western Europe's, leading up to this thing, there were so many ways that we could have avoided this war. But okay, now we're in it. Now what do we do? We're we're now pushing Russia to befriend China and India, and none of those countries even like each other, but they're all working together because they hate us worse, mm -hmm. the common enemy thing. That just concerns me. Thanks for adding your thoughts, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I played Porky Pig a, a bit for uh, Roy earlier, and I'm doing that all morning with all these different vignettes and stuff and i think they're a lot of fun but the the pop culture conversation we were having trisha was about how much america's changed and we both decided that we thought patriotism became uncool in the 90s agree or disagree 
I don't know that I was really had my thumb on the pulse of oh, that's true. the country in the 90s. You were like a baby. I was a baby. <laughs> I do know that there is, there's, it seems uncool now. It seems we've gotten to a point where it's definitely not mainstream, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I told Roy coming off of Mount Rushmore was like, oh, this is what used to be celebrated across America all the time, like on TV mm-hmm. and everywhere up until somewhere around the mid 90s. It just wasn't cool anymore. Another weird story. Go, well, go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah, just one more point before we move from that. It's almost like flying the American flag has been associated in mainstream culture with uh, being uneducated or being um, a white supremacist. I think there's some some it, there's a there's a correlation in the minds of of the masses that if you are proud of your country, you're also a racist, which I don't know when that shift happened, but that's crazy and sad. That's just, that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, that seems like that's way down the road from it didn't start there, <clears throat> but that's where it is. But now. doesn't that seem where it, like it yeah. is well, now? At least mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I would always say <clears throat> that the American flag represents, oh, you must be a white nationalist, but it definitely represents conservatism. Like, I don't ever see a flag <clears throat> and like hanging out somebody inside somebody's house. I would never drive by somebody's house and think. Well, that person probably is a racist, but I would think that they're probably a conservative. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I don't think that's my personal bias. I think that's what people think now. If you have an American flag on your car or a pin on your shirt or something, I think regardless, the majority of the country would look at that person and say, yeah, you probably at least lean right, right? Yeah, that would be my assumption. Well, I think the during the Trump administration, there was a concerted effort to link patriotism to Trumpism. Certainly. Yeah, and, definitely. And so by association, Trump is bad. So therefore, if you have a flag, you must support Trump and therefore you're bad. And so I think in a roundabout way, it got to where you were saying, Tricia, where the for some people in the media, I think that the the flag is equated with this nationalism or or white supremacy yeah. or whatever it is they're trying to say Trump no, supporters. Are. No, I do think Trish is right in saying that. I just think that that's that may not be the majority of America thinking that, but there are definitely factions of people now who just automatically assume that. Mm-hmm. It would you is it safe to say as we kind of conclude here too that Clinton was the last Democrat president that the mainstream kind of comedy world made fun of? I I think so. I, I um, They definitely but, made fun but, of Bush. Yeah. They definitely made fun of Trump. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was it was a softer comedy. I mean they It was the sex scandal stuff. Right. I mean it was it was just a comedy gold mine, mm-hmm. right? So it was. It was like <laughs> yeah, him right up for that exactly. <laughs> but they didn't. They didn't mock him in a weird way because it was was a Daryl Hammond that did him on Saturday Night Live. It, it was. It was almost. Yeah, they were making fun of him for being a womanizer and for yeah all of that, but it was almost. I, I don't want to say they in, in a admiration, but it, it wasn't. 
vindictive or vicious like some of the yeah it seemed like the comedy against republicans has been historically it's just it's mean well i mean we certainly saw that with trump Mm -hmm. on full display but i thought even when i was in early college now 9-11 changed that for a little bit but then the iraq war changed it right back where the the attacks on bush became all about policy instead of comedy because it used to be about the personality. You attack the personality. You know, the, the George H.W. Bush stuff was all about, he was kind of like this wrinkly old, like, mm-hmm. guy <laughs> walk, <laughs> walk around and, like, say, read my lips and stuff, you know? And it was, it was, a, well, it it's wasn't always, really an attack on. It's always been, from a comedy standpoint, to, to paint Republicans as stupid. They did it with Reagan, um, they did it with Quayle. They certainly did it with Quayle. They did it with Bush. I see. I don't remember it as much with Reagan. I'm not saying that that wasn't there, but it's. I think we're talking about it was there in very light fashion, and it's just gotten so deep that they have actually forgotten the comedy now. Right. Because that's what our complaint was for four years with Trump, and still mm-hmm. is that. Because have you seen anybody do a good comedy bit about Biden? No, I haven't seen a thing. No, they won't touch it. Well, the Obama administration, Obama's presidency, the historic nature of it and the celebration of it, I think, kind of put a halt to. It was like nobody wanted to touch it because he's the first black president. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Trump was the exact opposite. It was they went like full in on it. So now the first white president. (laughs) no he was he was the i mean he was what came out of the celebration of obama's presidency he was the like the yin to the yang of that presidency so i think it was we don't touch this presidency because we love this and we won't touch it but we are against this by the just by the fact that this is in our minds the opposite of it Mm -hmm. it's crazy how much lauren michaels and snl controls our culture yeah, like a it's a pretty good opinion. mirror, isn't it, mm-hmm. for what's going on? But I think it's you can see his politics throughout our entire country. Yeah, as they as in their skits and the way they do their characters and the way that 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 show is cast, and it kind of resonates everywhere. Okay, thought experiment, and then we got to end on this. If Lorne Michaels was an avowed centrist, not even a, a conservative, mm-hmm. but he was just like comedy first. I really want to respect the the art. And he had decided going into, let's say, out of George W. Bush into Obama, we're going to treat Obama the same as we did George W. Bush. If he had decided that, and the show kind of did that, are we living in a different environment today? Do you think he had that much power? I think it. I think it influenced other comedy shows to where the comedy shows are a lot of young people's source of news. Yeah. They go to Colbert and they go to Kimmel and mm-hmm. and even before that it was uh uh what's his name on the Daily Show who was on there before John Stewart John Stewart was kind of Craig Kilborn yeah <laughs> Craig Kilborn <laughs> um yeah I think it influenced it's not just Saturday Night Live but it that's sort of I think has bled over into the other late night comedy shows and now everybody thinks that their opinion matters and it's less about comedy yeah and more about influencing the culture well we'll break on old roy referring to the youngsters all watching jimmy kimmel 
We'll be right back. More Wiggins America. Just like you always do. Said the puppy. Uh, the reason I play this song is because Super Furry Animals is the name of this band. They're kind of an activist band. Don't love all the crap they preach, but they are really super cool band. And, and I get the most comments when I play them as bump music. So I'm, you know, these are cool songs. If you never heard them, that one is about a golden retriever. Because while they are kind of an activist band from. When I was a teenager in college, early 2000s, probably in late 90s, they also said for that song, we also have to deal with super furry animal issues at times, too. So that one is about a golden retriever. Uh, the reason I'm playing that, though, is not just that I get so many comments when I play super furry animals, because I do. And a lot of times uh, I, I'm honored when people write in or they tweet me at, at Radio Wiggins and say, what was that song that you played at? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I like that song. I don't know what it was. I'm honored, but I'm also a little bit concerned that you didn't say anything about what I said. Because really, the crux of the show is the things I say. It's not the music. But it's fine. I, either way, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I kind of am. No, I am kind of saying that's a bad thing. It means I need to be more interesting. So here's what I'm doing. I'm bringing you... A piece of Plan 9 from Outer Space in this segment, it's predicting what the future would look like. Now, if you're not familiar, we talked about this a little bit last week on the Andy Fry Show when I filled in. What are the worst movies ever made? Well, The Room probably gets that title. It's just called The Room. I think it was made in 2006, something like that. If you've never seen it, see it. It really is a cultural experience to know what so many people have talked about. James Franco did a movie called The Disaster Artist that's about making that terrible movie. So, you know, you can kind of catch up to speed. It is funny. It's super funny and terrible. But and there's some nudity in it. Just FYI, don't watch it with kids. <clears throat> but all that is part of why it's so funny because it'll just be nudity like out of nowhere. Um, I say all that, though, to say that Plan 9 from Outer Space did not make our list, even though it's usually one of the top ones. And it's because I've tried watching Plan 9, and it is terrible, but a bad movie has to be consistently like missing the target over and over. That you can see what they were trying for, and they so badly didn't get it that it's funny. And there are movies that have great scenes like that, but The Room is just all scenes like that. And Plan 9 from Outer Space, I feel like, is kind of there where... A lot of it's just boring. You know, that, that's the problem with bad movies is that you got to sit through a lot of just really bad movie to get to the funny parts. So uh, I took my love of bad movies and Plan 9 is, I guess, in there just because it's on, on a list, if not my list. And my love of super furry animals mixed them together. And there is a song that they released that's so obscure that I actually had to Shazam it to make sure I was getting the title right. And it's from some random session they did called the John Peel Sessions of 2000. So the song is called Charge. There's not much to it other than they take pieces of Plan 9 from Outer Space that are predictions about the future. So what we're going to do is I'm going to play you those predictions. We can decide whether or not Plan 9, along with the Super Furry Animals, got those predictions right. Here is the first one. Our greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives, whether we want to or not. 
And remember, my friend, these future events will affect you. The future is in your hands. Okay, not quite a prediction there, but it's setting up the whole story. That is him saying, the future is in your hands. We are going to spend the rest of our lives in the future, whether we want to or not. So here's the first actual prediction about what the future will look like. I predict matches for both men and women will be exactly alike in the new unisex trend. Did you catch that? Fashions for both men and women will be exactly alike in the new unisex trend. I wouldn't say that we've fully gotten there here in the year 2022, but we sure are moving that way. So I'm going to give that one a big thumbs up. You got that one right. This next one is a bit of a continuation on that one. All right, that was pretty good. Not quite as good, though. It says, uh, I predict that the future will be, the fashions will be almost puritanical in style. No beads, no bracelets, no gemstones. And men and women will wear the exact same makeup. Well, I don't know, kind of. Like, we're certainly moving that direction. Did you realize that certain makeup companies have begun to target men? This is a couple years old now. This isn't brand new news. But they've saturated the market. They're, they're going, okay, just like the NFL at one point said, we've got every man in the country and some women watching the NFL. So how do we grow? So they said, okay, twofold. One, we're going to focus on international growth because we've tapped out American men. And two, we're going to, talk, we're going to try to bring in more females. And so that's why they started doing the Breast Cancer Awareness Month and all that stuff. It was just marketing. So that's what the um, makeup companies have done is they've decided – well, we're not going to expand the market. We can try to take market share from our competitors, but we're not going to expand the number of people wearing makeup. That's maxed out. So let's try to include men now. Let's try to get men wearing makeup. Well, I don't think that's really worked very well. There's a big backlash on that among not conservatives, people. There was a big backlash among people that they didn't want that to happen, that that was a bad idea. Even just fashion-wise. Now, you can see that, and but there has been enough movement toward that, that I'll give that one kind of a halfway. Here's the last one, and this is the one with the most bold predictions. I'm just having fun here. Go along with me. I that the entertainment personalities of the future will be entertainment personalities and nothing else. When someone pays admission to hear a singer or a comedian, they will not tolerate protest messages. They will demand and receive 100% entertainment, as this is the only thing that television or the radio sponsor will tolerate. Now that is interesting, and I would like to know your thoughts on it, because I'm torn. Uh, media personalities will be media person- entertainment personalities and nothing else because protest messages will not be allowed by the corporate sponsors. Now, we could go two different directions with that. One is that that's not true because the corporate sponsors have gotten on board with the so-called protest messages. We just got done with Pride Month. You saw every company in the world have a rainbow flag somewhere on their profile or in their store, wherever that is. But the question is... Is that actually a protest message now? I would argue 
That is the exact opposite of a protest message. What you can't criticize, that's what is held sacred in a society. And me here criticizing these things, I mean, I'm not even necessarily criticizing the cause. I could, but that's not the point of this segment, is that uh, you, you have trouble going against the grain on major social issues like that in general society, but you have really no problem going with them. For instance, try to put up a Christian flag in your classroom if you're a public school teacher. Then try to put up a, a rainbow flag. Guess which one's going to be taken down first? Case in point. And you know what? You know that's true. So you have a social agenda there that the corporate sponsors have bought into. So I'm going to actually say <clears throat> that that prediction from Plan 9 did end up true because and but it's not quite what they they thought they thought everything would be so neutralized and so beiged out that you wouldn't ever have any real discussion about anything well that didn't happen only one side is allowed to have their message explained or else it's taken down so i'm i'm going to give them a thumbs up on that one and say yes Corporate America is still controlling the message. They're just only allowing certain messages. For instance, if you decided to come out with some legitimate scientific concerns that you had about medicine in the last couple of years, I won't even say just the vaccine, but different medicines, treatments, vaccines, anything, you were completely silenced and banned from having those discussions on social media. So I don't know that I need to prove that any further to say that that prediction is pretty right. It's it's just not exactly what they thought, but it's fun to look back at these things. And they're so ridiculous. I mean, from a bad movie and pulling these quotes, it's just fun for me. So we'll go out with Super Furry Animals, a little more Golden Retriever, and then we'll be right back. More Wiggins America. You know, I started this hour with a really great segment, so if you missed that, talking about voter integrity issues and kind of where we stand, a big, broad landscape, some news stories in there too, but but at the end of it, of course, took a step back, looked at where we're at with voter integrity, how much you can trust your vote. Uh, I didn't mention Missouri a whole lot in that, but Missouri deserves a lot of credit. They've moved on this very, very well, but just the, the people in general have moved on this issue, and that's encouraging. If you want to hear that, that segment, that was the first segment of this hour, rewind on the Odyssey app, get the podcast once we finish this hour, which we almost are right now. But I also was right about something else, and I obviously have to point that out. I was right that the rest of the hour was terrible. You know, it, we had the full cast in here with Trisha and Roy, and then I did a segment about the movie Plan 9 from Outer Space and the predictions that that movie made through a song that I like from Super Furry Animals. It was, it was bad. It was just terrible. So... Don't get that. Skip that. Get the podcast, but skip the middle. And then this segment's probably going to be fine. Because what I've got here is uh, some poll results on Roe versus Wade. So just like I said in that first segment, polling and and sentiment of Americans on voter integrity is actually pretty high. It's a partisan issue. So you're not going to find a whole lot of really specific questions about you know the 2020 election. That's just people going to their corners. But if you talk about going forward in voter integrity and, and things that we can be doing to fix it and make people more confident in it, there's actually bipartisan support for that. But you would never know that without being a deep dive poll watcher like I am or listening to 
media that you know shares things like this, like this show does. Uh, but this one's kind of in that same vein. This is about Roe versus Wade. Now, what you'll hear a lot is that Roe versus Wade is is very popular, and people want to bring it back, or at least they didn't want it to go away in the first place. But uh, that's not necessarily true. If you ask that one question, yeah, you might get that result. <clears throat> you might get the result of 55, 60% of people say, yeah, I wish they wouldn't have gotten rid of Roe versus Wade, or I wanted to keep Roe versus Wade. But then you ask the question, should abortion be decided by the states? Now, this people have figured this out now, but polling before this happened, should abortion be decided by each state? People would say, yeah, yeah, it should. Same 55, 60% of people. So it's clear that they didn't really understand what they were being polled about. Yet mainstream media uses those polls, those kind of murky, deliberately confusing polls, or at least that the public is confused about polls, to promote agendas. Elizabeth Warren does that all the time. And stick around, by the way, a little preview. Uh, I'm going to interview a guy from Compass Care Pro-Life Counseling about what Elizabeth Warren is saying, what New York State is doing. His, his place was firebombed. Uh, and I want to talk to him about that. Is anybody even, does anybody even care? Is anybody doing anything about it in New York? Because he's in New York, he's in Buffalo. But anyway, real quick, I wanted to get to this. One in three said their state should allow abortion only in cases of rape and incest. Another 12% favored allowing only abortion only in the first six weeks of pregnancy. So there, there's 50% of the country right there. Then you get another 23% that would support a ban at 15 weeks, meaning 72% or roughly one or three and four of the country would support Mississippi's abortion ban at the center of that Dobbs case. So just so you know, be informed for when you go into those debates, because most people who are debating right now are not. Stick around. We'll be right back. Get more at 971talk.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.